Hello, and welcome to the FM Podcast. I'm Jen Fritz, and I run Fritz Media, a music publicity and digital marketing firm located in Vancouver, Canada. And this is episode number 31 of the podcast. So welcome to season three of the podcast. You know, I'm so excited to be back. I'm not going to lie to you. It was really nice to, to have some time off. But it is really good to be back and to be creating some great episodes for you and talking to my favorite people in the music industry. And for our season three premiere, we have a really good one for you. I'm talking to Adam Bentley, who is a music publicist and the owner of Auteur Research. And we're going to talk all about the state of music publicity in 2022. This was a really great conversation, uh, which I'm sure you can tell judging by the length of the episode. You know, it's always nice to talk to someone who who does the same thing that you do because you end up speaking the same language. You totally understand each other and uh, you can even commiserate about some of the same things. And, you know, I even learned quite a bit about Adam through this conversation, you know, including our shared love of grunge music. Uh, We even talked about doing a grunge music podcast, which, by the way, Adam, I wasn't joking. If you want to do that, totally into it. (laughs) It was a really great talk. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Adam Bentley. Well, hello, Adam. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks uh, for having me on the podcast, Jen. I'm really excited that you're here. Uh, And you know, I was thinking, you and I have never met, right? Never met. No. Like, this is our first time doing a face-to-face talk. Yeah. I don't think we've ever, like, in seen ourselves move in real time before. No, it's true. Like, like we've talked on the phone before. Uh, We worked on projects together. We see each other on social media all the time. But, you know, that's pretty much it. And, you know, as I was getting ready to start um, season three of the podcast, I was looking through all of our older episodes and I was like, you know, what topics do I need to to cover? What should I do? And I realized I hadn't done one specifically on music publicity, which is so funny, given that that is hilarious. (laughs) I am a music publicist. (laughs) But you know, the funny thing is about it is I think that I didn't because it gets into this really gray area um, of you have to talk to your competition. And I'm totally fine with that. Like I'm very friendly with you and with all of any other music publicity company or publicist in in this country. I'm totally like, we're all doing the same thing. It's all fine. But I know some people aren't very (laughs) comfortable with it. So when I was thinking of people to talk to, I was like, you know who would be fine with it? Adam. Yeah, I've (laughs) I've always, I think, I I don't know. I've never been bothered at all uh, about either working, you know, we've got to work on projects together and and kind of carve out different roles around that. And it's, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's, it's such a vast landscape now. Oh yeah. They're not one company is going to be able to cover everything. Not one person, not, you know, I'm on projects sometimes where there's people in every territory in the world and multiple people working in, and it still doesn't feel like you can cover everything because it's become so complex and there's so many little niches that you can go into. No, it's, it's totally true. There's, there's just like so much to do before we get like into the nuts and bolts of all of it. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning. How did you get your start in the music industry? Right. So uh, I was in a band, uh, a seven-piece monstrosity called The Rest, like very aughts sort of indie rock band where we would show up to shows with uh, seven people, but 
12 people worth of gear and would make sound people hate us instantly. Well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have, in the early goings, we didn't have any anybody working with us, no label, no management. And I just started figuring out, okay, how do we, how are people getting the word out about their music? And I started looking at blogs and collecting a list and started talking to them. And, and we started getting quite a bit of press. And it was my good friend, Dan Aiken, who ran Catherine North Studios in Hamilton, who was in Junkhouse. Uh, I was studio managing for a, a, a little bit there. And he said, well, why wouldn't you do this for some of the acts that are in the studio? Like, I think they need this sort of service. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> he's like, well, you got like, I'm looking at this list of contacts. You got like a couple thousand contacts in there and you got like a few hundred pieces of press. You probably could do this for somebody else. And I was like, do I charge for that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and how much should I charge? Yeah. Like I had no concept. It was never something I considered that I was going to do even though, you know, as, as a teenager, I, I co-opted Sonic Onion Records uh, and was very kind of in tune with the Canadian independent landscape. But I just didn't think this would be my job. So I helped out a few people. I Then some friends asked me to do it. They told some other people. But it was probably like four years in before I thought it was a job, like my job. I'd Like I named the company. I was like, I guess I have a name. Right. One of the guys in the band made the logo, which we still use today, which is actually made a good logo. It is a good logo. I think it's great. So that's Blake Bowman, still is a graphic designer out there, the drummer of the rest. And yeah, it, it was it was very organic. It was very word of mouth. And I didn't realize like I was supposed to work a territory. I just saw it as the internet. And I kind of still see it that way for our role and what Otour Research does, where it's a little bit different. I you know I I didn't know, I, I've ne- I've, I had never seen breakfast television. So I wasn't, I was not going to be the obvious person, obvious person to do that. Right. Um, but the, I've been reading, you know, online record reviews since I was 13 or, you know, when, when it was just starting to, to bubble, I would come home from school and open up, right. you know, whatever sites at the moment, wall of sound, I remember was one of them. Uh, with a writer, Gary Graft, who still is a writer and sometimes does billboard stuff. And I got to work with him, but he like, <laughs> I remember reading Pixies article, uh, like articles on there and getting in the Pixies because of that. And I was always checking out music online. So it's, it seemed obvious to work in that world, but I didn't realize that wasn't normally the case. It was just pure ignorance yeah. on my, on my behalf that, Oh, uh, Oh, the, the there's Canadian publicists. Oh, shoot. Should I be a Canadian publicist? I don't know. So you always saw it as sort of a global thing? Yeah. Like like a, an internet is everywhere. Thing. The internet is everywhere. And a lot of the people that were peers, whether, you know, the, the various sites at the, at the time, weren't necessarily part of a local scene. Mm-hmm. They were part of an internet scene. And somebody might be in Denmark and somebody else might be in Argentina and somebody else is in New York and those things, you know, kind of, uh, intersect. Now, m- most of the major publications are in, you know, the major North American and markets. And, yeah. Or like in the UK yeah, or, you know, Europe, Western based sort of places. I remember being in the UK in the band when I w- in the first year I was doing it. And then we had a publicist, working for us over there. And it was like, oh, this is completely different from what I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is insane. Like this is some hype machine insanity that they're putting us 
uh, on. So I, I realized early on that, yeah, this is a little bit different than what other people maybe are doing in this role, but also I think this is good foundation, especially for emerging artists. And that's still my favorite thing to work on somebody's like first release. I think what's interesting is that you you started there and I think that that's where we're at now. Right. Right. So I think that now there are more publicists, myself included, that are doing global scope and that wasn't necessarily the case five years ago. Yeah. You're, and that's just the nature of the business and the nature of how many blogs are there in Canada? How many blogs, you know, I can't like, what? I can't just pitch Canada because there's not a lot of opportunities, unfortunately. So you do have to do a global scope in order to get like an indie artist uh, that's just starting out some sort of press, right? I still think like traditional PR makes sense once somebody is a little bit more established, a little bit more hundred percent kind of yeah. locked in. Uh, you know, we've got projects where we're technically the Canadian publicists on them. Technically, I guess it's, it's like <laughs> but- it, there's still like niches we're going to go into. It's you know I'm going to send to these user generated playlisters that I know no one else is going to bother with at the big U.S. PR company or whatever. Yeah. But it, it is it is changed, and even in the the last few years, I think that that is altered. And and you're dealing with, and I'm sure this this will, we'll talk about this a lot. Uh, the amount of music that gets released now. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> you know, we're probably around 70 or 80,000 songs uploaded to streaming platforms a day. Like they haven't announced a number recently, but I know in the fall, it was more than the 60 that was happening in the summertime. Yes. It was, it was the most music that has ever been released in human history. It's hyperbolic to say, but it's the truth, right? So now you have everyone releasing songs like they released albums and you have to break through that noise. So it's not that people are just releasing a lot of singles. They're releasing them with the same care they used to put into an album release. That's totally true. Now, that brings to mind that you only do single releases? Well, n- yes and no. Okay. We still work albums and album narratives and um, an album release. Just with an album release, a lot of the press is still going to go back to whatever the focus track is that gets released. Yeah. With the album. So like maybe two, three singles, you'll work each single. And, and around, yeah, uh, with the album narrative. And and sometimes we're now working where people are just releasing their whole, you know, quote unquote collection. It's no longer an album in their eyes. It's just a collection of things they're going to release over the next two years. They'll package them together for their fan base at the end. And it's more and more common where we're working half a record, half an album before the release where there's four or five singles and there's going to be 10, 11 songs. That was unheard of when I first did this. It was usually like, I'll work a single before, we'll work the album, and maybe there'll be like a video with another single that will be like a focus for some sort of radio coverage. Yeah. You know, if somebody was like, oh, I want to release 10 of these songs over the next 10 10 years and make an album, I was like, you're going to drive people crazy. (laughs) No, it's true. It's like everything's changing all the time, right? And there is no hard and fast rules. So... You can do, I mean, I say this to artists all the time, like, let's try it. You know, if, who knows, like, uh, there's no one way to do things anymore. So let's give her a go. Like, I don't know. One thing that I am finding is that, you know, especially if I'm doing an album campaign and they want to release, say, two singles ahead of the album release, I'm finding that obviously the first single is going to do very well (laughs) and that the second single is just like, it kind of 
you know, I, I mean, this has always been the case, but I think I have had to do a more concerted effort of explaining that to the artist because you're not going to get the same publications covering it. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. But for the most part, if I come to you like two, three months later when just was pitching you this other thing and I'm like, oh, by the way, I've got another song from this band, like they're not going to give you the same coverage right which which means less coverage it's almost finding those other corners every time yeah and yeah you're you're right like when i was first probably like the first five years i was doing this it would be like building like a new project up i remember like the dirty nail early days and that's like one of the projects i've worked for the longest 10 or 11 probably 11 jesus christ like 11 years now (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) it's been a while and uh, when we first went out, there was like single releases building things up. But every time we would go out, 80% of the people that we got the last time, we would pick up and then we would pick up another batch. And that was kind of common where you would be able to kind of accumulate supporters. And now it's closer to like 20%. Yeah. Pick it up the next time. It's like, oh, I featured you this year. You're good. No, that's what I find too. It's like before they'd be more into it, right? But it's like, yo, yeah, Fritz, we just, you just gave me this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, and and also, I mean, we're pitching these people other artists too, right? So there's that to put into, like that sort of strategy has to be thought of as well. It's uh, There's there's definitely, you know, I, I find it's actually easier to work more artist um, because it's less about maybe journalism in a lot of cases and more about curation. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're having to find different pockets and find like, okay, this song's a little bit more like this. So this is going to work on uh, this site that has this type of playlist or this, yeah. this site that has this monthly roundup kind of thing. And, you know, we're, we're doing as a team now weekly updates of our list where we go through various sections. We have filter sections for seating points and when you talk to people and what genre and what type of features. And we go through one of them in depth every week now. I used to do that once a year. Yeah. But I mean, it changes so much though. It's, it's bonkers. Like not only is there like the most music ever being released, but it's like the amount of like outlets and playlists you know, also like they can die real quick too. So <laughs> real quick, they come up and then they're gone. And then maybe somebody goes yeah. somewhere else or they completely change their format. Yeah. You know, in the last three years, let's go before the pandemic. Cause everyone just wants to say from pandemic on, but it's, it's before the pandemic that all these changes were happening. Yeah. yeah. They just almost like solidified once we got into the pandemic and everybody realized, oh, this is how it is. Yeah. But there's been more changes in the, I've done it for just over 13 years now in the last three than the first 10. Easily more changes. Agreed. I will 100% agree with that. <laughs> and I've been doing it a little longer than you, but it's just like, it's so, I feel, and I feel like this is the music industry in general. It's so hard to keep up is how is how I think everybody feels. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> Everybody's in the same boat, you know, yeah. and we'll, we'll have an artist and they'll be like, what do you mean you're not pitching this thing? And it was like, well, that started two months ago. I don't know about that one. Like we do our best, but yeah, like I, I can't, you know, my, I can't do it all, man. <laughs> my master is over 7,000 contacts now. Oh dude. I think about how, like when I started, I was like, always like 
had to make sure everything was updated and perfect and absolutely correct. Right. And now, now I go to my master and I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'll try and see if that guy's still there. Like, <laughs> like I haven't talked to him in six months. So I don't know. Whereas in the past, I would totally know. Yes. Like I would know right away. And, and, and you have people yes. that come in, they're very active and then they burn out and they take a break. But that doesn't mean they're gone. It used to mean they're gone. They'll come back. A lot of people come back and they just need a break just like everybody because we're running these marathons. Things tend to not happen as fast. Yeah. So there's a lot more kind of like incremental gains, which I think was always the case, but there'd be like blips that everyone could get excited about. Yes. Yeah. Those blips, one piece doesn't do it anymore. Oh no. It's like many, many pieces, many, many playlist ads, many, many sort of social media strategies that all kind of compound to become something. I think it's, that's the biggest change for me. Yeah. Cause it used to be like, oh, I'm going to go out. I'll get this noisy premiere. That'll give me like 10 other pieces. You're like, my work here is done. <laughs> my work here is basically over. Right. Uh, and I'll email everybody once and that's, that's it. I sometimes email people three or four times in a song cycle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> It's infuriating, but sometimes I'm, I'm like, you know, especially when you look at the world around us, I'm like, I guess I'll just sit here and send my little emails out, out to these bloggers. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody's really going to be that upset for me sending like a follow-up, yeah. like, hey, I, uh, just wanted to check in. But I, I know some people that they need that. They're like, oh, okay, this is like a priority for you because you're putting that extra care. So I'll... I'll I'll, I'll give you an engaged listen. I totally agree with that. Um, and and if you think about it, that works on me too. Like if if somebody really wants me to do something, sometimes it takes a follow up. Totally for me to go. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've had I've had things happen after you know a couple follow ups when you might have like just done one and thought, well, I guess they don't care. But <laughs> I know? used to be terrified following up once. I remember artists would be like, oh, I really want this, like in 2013, and being like, oh, man, I already emailed them. Yeah. They're going to be so mad at me. I don't have anything new to tell them. And now that's like, I don't even think No, you're just like, hesitate. hello, <laughs> it's me again. And you understand their inboxes too, because our <sighs> inboxes are probably similar. Yeah, like, It's not good. I'm probably in between two and 400 inbox messages a, a day now and i know a lot of yeah. the bloggers and playlisters yeah. are getting two to five hundred yeah. songs a it's a it's a lot <laughs> it's it's a it's a lot and 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 many of them this isn't for us it's our job so i i my job is to answer that email or to get that information over to somebody yeah a lot of the, the people that we're contacting this is just their passion they love music and they want to showcase either their like taste or their writing style or or whatever sort of aspect is going to speak to them and and also speak to the artist journey but it's unrealistic to think that they're going to be able to go through all those songs no it's true there's like no way i can't even imagine what some of their inboxes look like <laughs> I, I occasionally will talk to somebody and i'll, I'll do a recap and i remember talking early days and in, in a blogger that at, at that point i was pretty close with said you'll never guess I got 25 press releases today. 
I was like, 25 press releases? That's crazy. You should just shut it down. Like, this is too much. 25 is Christmas Day now. Oh, my God. That's what people get on Christmas. It's bonkers, like, man. I know. It's it's so crazy. It's so hard to to get heard above the noise. But that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's what we're here. And I think I think for myself and, and the, the people that are, are on, uh, you know, the or tour team with me, like, we're all just trying to find – kind of more educated ways of like reaching out to people and inform ways while knowing we'll never keep up. Yes. But you have to constantly engage. You have to constantly take yourself out of that comfort zone and not just be like, oh, I'll send out this four immediate release press release and I'm done. Yeah. Oh God, those days are over, man. I remember when I used to send out a press release and I'd get so much out of that press release, like so much. It's crazy. Now it's like, I've really got to try hard to get people to do yeah it, to do it it's so bonkers um so how has your company changed and evolved over time like have you added any additional services other than publicity have you changed how you do some things you kind of explain that a little bit that yes you obviously have changed how you do things <laughs> yeah we I, I like it originally was just me and, and then started bringing people on probably in 2013 13 was the first time I had somebody else help me out and had a couple people just every year. It seems like there's a, a, a couple more people. And, and now there's, there's 10 of us that work. We all work together on the project. Some people's roles are larger than others, depending on genre and goals. And, and we do have a few other, uh, you know, silos that we have. We started doing some project management work in 2019 and that's, you know, us working on distro or working on your overall social campaign or, or working on creating content with you. It depends on the project and what, what's needed. We usually have a handful of those going at a time. That's about as much as we can kind of take on. Yeah. And the other area is we started from project management running digital, digital ads. Yeah. That was another accidental thing. It was a couple people said, hey, we're hiring these ad companies, but they're outside of music. We kind of wanted a music company maybe to help us. Do you think you could do this? Mm -hmm. as, as usual, I go, sure. Yeah, I think we can do this. I, I know a little bit about ads. And then once we got into it, it was like, I don't know anything. And we hired a consultant from the UK to help us out, to learn the back end, because all of the the creative strategies, I, th I think we instantly had like a really good hold up by just paying attention to what's going on in socials and what type of creatives work. But the Facebook labyrinth. Yeah, it's a it's a whole other ball of wax. Um, yeah, we do it too. But I basically hired a couple people that know and uh, they taught me which I learned so much. The one thing I did find because we do digital ads as well is that I am finding a big problem, a big barrier with education with the artists on that. Like, it's hard to even get them to even figure out how to set up their Google account or to, you know, set up their Facebook business account. Do, do you face that? Yeah, that is a that is a problem uh, for us as well. We, we've got now good strategies that I would say work 95% of the time of getting us quick access into uh, the account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's 5%. And some of it's not the artist's fault, too. Some of it is actually uh, one of these platforms are has somehow broken your Facebook page. Yes. And you don't know why. And Facebook doesn't actually know why. And there's no way because you don't have a business account, so you can't fix it yet. Mm -hmm. And so there are there is a lot of hurdles there. And I think 
the creatives that you need on that side to actually break through have gone up tenfold with the OS 14 update that happened in, in 2020. Yeah. You now have to have creative that is going to really pop and really show off your personality pretty well instantly. Yeah. And it, it, you know, when we were first writing things in 2020, everything was a success. <laughs> Abstract video with a bunch of colors, perfect. Let's throw it up. Look at all these new followers. That doesn't happen anymore. Things are, uh, you're now competing, even though you're spending money, it's just like any other space on the internet. You're competing for people's attention. And if your ad is connecting, your costs go down, you get to better people that are going to be more engaged, that are going to actually go and click. And if your creative is bad, you kind of get to the the D squad pretty quickly yeah. of the, the kind of online targets and you can't get out of there. So we've been trying to educate our artists when we do intake on both PR and, and digital marketing we send a whole whack of information that I never thought I would. Uh, throughout our campaigns on PR, they're getting weekly updates where they're getting like, this is best practices for this. This is best practices for that. Yeah. And because if they're not doing these other elements, it, it's all a, 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 you know, a luck game and an odds game yes. in, in, in some way. And they increase their odds exponentially if they're doing all these other things and they make our work easier. That's the thing. I think that a lot of artists think that you pay somebody and you, you don't have to do anything, right? Like I'm paying you to do publicity or I'm paying you to do social media, which means, you know, you don't have to do anything. But if you, you know, are paying someone to do your digital ads, that means you still have to do your organic posting. You still have to like yes. post regularly <laughs> to... Because people go from that ads and they go, what are you doing on here? What's happening on Instagram? Yeah. Uh, what's happening on your Spotify? Like, oh, there's... There's no banner. There's no information. Well, I don't care. And and no, and the yeah. same goes for publicity, right? Yep. So if I get you press, and then somebody's like, "Oh, let me go find out about this person," and they haven't posted in like two weeks, like what? What are you doing? Oh yeah, there's. Uh, they're not going to reciprocate this love. They're not going to. Sh they're not going to share whatever I'm going to post about them, or or if I add them to a playlist. So it's over. And I think. The complexity of releasing music is just out of this world from when, you know, I was first doing this. It is. It's so hard. Like, I really think there is an educational barrier right now for musicians. We've had to become educators, which on top of our already, like every day there's a new job for me to do, which I'm sure you, like when I first started, it was real easy. I just like picked up the phone and call people. Didn't understand how easy it was. Like so easy. I just did, <laughs> didn't, I didn't get it at all. I didn't understand any of it uh, really. All I, but like if I was, I don't know what I would have been averaging, but it would have probably been between 50 and a hundred pieces of press per piece of content I was working yeah. in the first bunch of years I was doing this. That's like a phenomenal, like next level campaign. If you're getting like that, that stuff. That's like you knocked it out of the park if that happens now. So it's going to happen a couple <laughs> times a year. Not my average is, is, is going to be. It's a, it's a lot though. Like a lot of things have to come together for that to happen. <laughs> and you need that mass more than ever because it's not going to be that one thing. It's going to be like, you're everywhere and people can't avoid you. I, I, I call like our our technique, the FOMO technique. Mm. It's just like people just cannot stop themselves from really engaging with this because they're seeing it from us. They're seeing it from the artist profiles. They're seeing it from their peers online and lots of them. Yeah. And 
And the other hard thing is, is the releases, they don't last long now. People are always messaging me and say, oh, I put this out six months ago. Can you do anything? It's like, ah, your timestamp is destroyed anything I can do. Dude, there's some places that even when it's like a week out, they won't do anything. Done. Like I would say uh, we're now, after three weeks, we're 90% of our contacts mm-hmm. are done. Yeah. Sorry you're coming to us with this old news, Fritz. Uh, <laughs> it's so crazy. After one week, we probably lose 50%. Yeah. It's bonkers, right? And that never used to be the case. It's it's just so crazy. And never mind trying to get album reviews. <laughs> well, we were talking about how our lists are growing and our, our, everything about my list is growing. All the filter sections are growing except for album reviews. Album reviews oh, yeah. shrink considerably year to year. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is so crazy. Like we've had to do so much research on it. I'm sure you have too. And it's like... Is anybody doing album <laughs> I call them mostly, like, there's the people that, there's still sites that have the big records. They have to review, and that usually means they're going to review some emerging acts as yes. well. But it's a small portion. Yeah. And then you have people, I like to call them out of cycle yes. kind of people, where they just don't care about all this nonsense that's going on with streaming platforms and, and how you need to make an impact. They just really like write, writing record reviews. So your record review might come six to eight months after it's out because their timeline doesn't match, but who cares? It's still, it's still a record review, which the artists always want. <laughs> yes. Everybody wants to, you know, everyone wants to hear how great their, their album is in, in loquacious words. And I love album reviews. Same. Like I clearly love albums. Yeah. Like you can see my, my, uh, my background here is just a wall of, of records. I, I'm the guy that promotes singles on the internet while I listen to vinyl Ooh. records. All day. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah, fancy guy. Really? I uh, while I have you here, I want to ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on song or video premieres? <laughs> Cause I know you weren't doing them for a while. And I think probably over a 10 year period in Canada, out of anybody that I probably set up the most because that was like early days. I just was like online and that was the thing online. So I was doing them really early. And then around 2016, I was like, these aren't doing what they used to do. And they're slowing things down and they're making things super chaotic, but I still did them as every, every campaign had a, uh, you know, a single premiere, album premiere, video premiere up until really 2019, I would have said we were still doing 98%. And then 2019, I was like, okay, we're going to back up because I'm, we've, we looked back and saw what were our most successful campaigns of the, okay. of the last year. And there were certain artists that were like, I don't want premieres anymore. They screw up things with the streaming services. Okay, perfect. And I looked at those campaigns and most of them went better than expected. Mm-hmm. And it was a trend that by having us delay our outreach and delay who we were going to go, because you have to, you know, if you're going for a premiere, you have to wait for that person to get back to you. Because if I just blank, it was like, who wants this premiere? Oh, d- dude. <laughs> You don't even get have to get me started on how much I friggin' hate doing premieres, man. It is so time consuming. And, <laughs> and and the impact just kept getting less and less. It used to be like, oh, I got this fader premiere. Like eight thousand people saw that article, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of those sites. That was the other thing. A lot of the major sites, the 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 pitchforks and, and what have you, they stopped yeah. doing them real early because they saw the impact of what those were doing to the site it became almost like an inside baseball yes. industry yes. thing. Well, you got to have a premiere. 
but fans don't care about that. No, no. A, a lot of the artists, even, um, especially the younger ones, they don't even know what it is. So, <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. The the new artists that we're working with that are still in their teen, uh, teens, there's the things that artists in their teens, this is a whole aside, but that are doing now and producing by themselves is oh, crazy. Bonkers. Artists in their teens, artists in their early 20s, it's never been part of the way they've digested music because even when they were going, again, the average fan doesn't care about those nope. things. So the sites, what helped is the sites stopped doing yes. this. H- helped and hurt. Uh, it hurt because we were still in cycle where people were going, well, I have to have a premiere. That's the way we start. And they stopped doing them maybe around 2017, 2018. We started seeing less sites do them uh, and the impact was going down. So those were really like stressful years. Yes. Because <laughs> I was still searching for this thing that didn't really exist that much anymore in 2018, 2019. People really, really wanted them. And if you didn't get it, it was a disappointment. But then when you got it, then people would see, oh, this isn't everything. Like this is so. Sometimes we'll do premieres now, but they're not exclusives. Yeah, they're just like, are uh, they premiering the day of, or usually the day of, or you know, even in some cases, like somebody wants the video to go a few days later, and then you'll you'll do something like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Normally, it's like a day of. It's already on DSPs, but we'll make our first article post about you and the and your site yes and and i think a bunch of sites are cool with that and we probably are doing more of those this year than we did the last year yeah i definitely have noticed that because i you guys were not doing them for a while obviously we're competition (laughs) i'm sure yeah you look at your competitors (laughs) that's that's what i do um but yeah i know i noticed how you learn things there's a lot of us no it is no, we're all like, oh, I haven't heard of that outlet. <laughs> <laughs> Putting that one on my uh, Rolodex. That one's going into the the, the seed list. Uh, I'm going to hit them up early. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, speaking of, like going back to the younger uh, generation, the Gen Z, I, I, we're working with a, like a really young uh, group right now. And yeah. We were talking about like doing a campaign and he was like, why do blogs, who goes to blogs? Like, what are you even talking about? And I was like, oh, right. No. I was like, you don't discover music that way, do you? And they're like, yeah. And it's in in the way people discover music, because that's the other thing. If you go, how do you discover music? Well, an average, maybe like, you know, a person in their teens is going to say TikTok or something. But the music obsessives at that age are finding it from all of these weird corners of the internet. And and he said podcasts. Pod- the guy like he was he was like podcasts. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I've definitely heard podcasts. Really? I've definitely heard, you know, background uh music on YouTube channels. Yes. Playlists. Or like even you know, just of course. you know, shazamming while you're watching a TV show, which is how I do it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like there's 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 definitely those kind of things. And uh yeah, I, I think with with press, like there there are still like we we've got to see some of the back end numbers of the site. What's changed is a lot of the mid tier stuff. They've only gone down a little bit because they were maybe only getting two hundred people to see the post in twenty fifteen, and now they're getting a hundred people to see the post. It's the major sites that have gone down. Now only three hundred are seeing yeah. that post, where it used to be five thousand people yeah. seeing that post. So a lot of the the mid tier sites have kept their niches, kept their kind of like people that go there every day and it's a small amount, but that's their site. Exactly. And that's their place. And it, 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 they've been able to stay afloat that way. Now they don't have the ad money that they used to have. And you're seeing more like 
people that all of a sudden it's like, hey, yeah, but you know what? We're now wanting $10 for this. And it's, oh, this is, I really want to have this discussion with you because uh, <laughs> it's coming up a lot, gonna, isn't it? There has always been an element of uh, paid content in what we do yep. already. Um, I know most publicists, most music publicists, alongside their organic pitching, will use services like Submit Hub because of a lot of yep. blogs and playlists. That's the only way that you could, you know, pitch to them. So you, you know, you, you kind of have to use it. Direct. But now there's a lot more that are that you can pay for. Yeah, you can. I can pay you for to do an interview with my artist. I can pay you to do a song review, um, a video review. On the one hand, kind of sucks for us, but yeah, I can build it into the cost. That's fine. Also, I feel good about it because you're pay- like I. I don't mind giving these people money. <laughs> it's different than that. What I think pay to play was for a long time, where it was like an act of desperation, and it wasn't like the the content was usually getting worse. It was like a sign that the site was, Oh, they're doing pay to play. Like this is probably, yeah. good. and they were usually out within like six months. Like they just, yes, that was a first sign. Now it's different. Now it's like an actual survival tool. So they have the time to make these sort of posts when I, you know, some artists will, um, you know, kind of be upset that we're using these online pitch platforms. And it's like, why wouldn't I, these are real sites and playlisters and curators like, why wouldn't I use that tool? Is it, you know, because they're on there? It's totally is true. Is that devaluing it? And the other thing is, too, it's like the outside person has no idea what's paid and what isn't. Like, no idea. So, like, w- what does it matter to you? Like, what? <laughs> and if you don't tell the artist, they have no idea. Most of the time, you know? yeah. So, like, and, and some people are very up on, like, some artists know, like, all these places already. They've, they've done that. And, and it's part of it. And those are the ones you be transparent with, you know? <laughs> Like I usually say we use online pitch platforms just uh, now because I think for a lot of artists, it's it's just like, oh, yeah, of course you would. Yeah. Like it's always been there. Smith Hub started in 2015, yeah. you know. Um, no, I have to tell them, too, so that they don't. That's why I tell them because I'm like, we use these platforms, so you can't. Well, well, the campaign's going on <laughs> because there's no. Right. Yeah. If you want to go back later and do a follow up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can go ahead. Go but, for it. I have no idea who you're pitching if we're doing it at the same time. <laughs> and even on there, like on all the, and, and, and there's, there's many of them now and, and you build relationships, but the ones that are direct, those are the ones where sometimes you get some great pieces, but you're also talking about costs that can go into for, a, there's some interview pieces at, at major publications will cost you like 400 Canadian dollars. Yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, like right now it's kind of like, Everybody's kind of starting to do it, so the costs aren't that high. Yeah, I do personally feel like this is where things are going. I would, I would tend to agree uh, to the point where we've had a, a paid partnership like section on uh, you know that we've had for a while. We've got we're we're really tracking it. Yes, now. and I think as as publicists, we're going to have to go in and be like, here's our costs, and here's like there might be options because the other thing with most of these, the good ones at least. They still have to accept. Mm-hmm. They still have to. They f- have to go. Yeah, this is good. I like this. So yeah. But no, it's if you true. It's it, true. Like you can't just pay anybody to like. <laughs> there I, are places that you can. But yes, but those are the, the ones we usually say ignore that. Don't worry about it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna pay someone, I want it to be somewhere that's useful. <laughs> so. But it, it's another avenue of of advertisement and 
you know, the value of certain SEO and things that are being data mined and all the social and streaming platforms, it, it can sometimes be worth it, especially when you're needing that sort of mass. It's happened a little faster than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really kicked up, I will say, especially like just from the beginning of this year, even um, I'm finding yeah. it like last three weeks, it's been like, you know, there, there's, there's a, a couple new team members and, and one of the, the, the guys is, is just keeps passing me. Like he's using contacts he's had before, but now he's, he's getting integrated in our list. Yeah. And he keeps me like, Oh, this, this go-to contact of yours that you said was great for this thing. Now it's $25 for that. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, okay. That's all right. <laughs> we'll make a note. We'll make, we'll make a note of that. And, uh, We'll have to make adjustments, but it, it, it may, the, the problem with it, I think for emerging acts is the budgets are always so tight as is. Yes. Yeah. And, and it can quickly get things out of control. And if you're adding advertising into that as well, we were talking about the education of advertising. And one of it is like, your money doesn't go that far. No, uh, uh, it sure doesn't. And, and you need to do it fairly consistently to see results especially with how the AI systems are working on all these platforms backends, they get smarter. The longer you run it, the more money you give them. Yes. Yeah. They, if the creative's good. No, if, if, the if you're, good. if you're running a good ad, yes. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Wrapping things up a little bit. Sorry. I'm so excited to talk to another publicist. I could like go on. <laughs> no, I, I love, I love connecting. I've never really, I never like, yes, in, in, in some ways we're competing against one another, but there's a lot of music. So I've never felt like, well, that's, yeah, that's how I've always felt. I, I, I'm always like, there's enough for everybody. Like I just, and also I'd never get mad if somebody is like, well, I want to try this person out for a while. Like totally, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, it's cool. That's all right. Like I used to be like, oh my God, they're, they're not working with us anymore. I know it really hit me hard. It hurts your feelings at first. Yes, I. I it has taken me a while to get here, so I understand. Yes, <laughs> but I, I, I. Now it's like okay, that's cool. Like we did this thing. You're gonna try that, and most likely, we'll probably work together again because that's that's how I happened. always look at it too. Because I'm just like, I, I try to do the best work I can. So you know, I did the best work I could with you. That's cool. If you want to try someone else and, you know, yeah. go ahead and then maybe you'll come back. We're still human humans on the other end, right? Like it's, and, and we can't see everything. We are talking about the complexity of, of releasing music and doing promo. It's a lot and you're not going to get everything and not, uh, and there might be somebody that works in a little bit more of a niche here, a little bit more of a niche there. That's going to be able to, to expand your audience, but totally I, I've been, I'm I'm pretty like okay, and and even now, like say an artist is releasing eight songs in the year, I probably don't want to work all eight eight of those songs. <laughs> exactly. So we're getting more used to going in and out, in and out, instead of just working consistently with someone in an album cycle because the album cycle has just been blown up. Yeah. Oh, has it ever? Holy crap! So crazy. All right. So just to wrap things up a little bit here, I just thought I'd ask for any musicians that are listening, how do you decide to work with an artist? Like when an artist comes to you, what are you looking for? I mean, like good music, obviously, but but what else? Yeah. So the music has to be there right away. I, I do also, we like to be very organized. So if things seem like it's going to be pulling teeth to get any assets or for us to have what we need, 
that's usually a big red flag. I don't expect oh. them to know exactly here, what they're going to need. Here, here, sir. That's 100% <laughs> from me, man. Because <laughs> you, you're not going to know everything that you're going in there. But um, my biggest thing that I'll, I'll say to everybody is if you're going and saying, hey, I've got a new single coming up and I'd like you to work it, please add in the music. <laughs> Whenever you don't add the music and then I have to be like, could you send me a link? Instantly, you the chances we're going to work together go down a little bit. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And if it's a busy day, I might not ask for that link. Yeah. I may not even respond to your email because I get quite a few people inquiring. So <laughs> yes, we, we get like, like that's uh, now something I don't take for granted. I, I was the artist on the other end at one point sending things over. Oh, yeah. And I, I try to get back. But that's the first thing where I just my blood pressure raises just a little bit. Same. Oh, I'm like, so the same, like what you've given me zero information. Like, I don't know. Great name. I love the name. Let's do it. Like, (laughs) I don't know when it's coming out. I cannot hear it right now. So those are probably the most important things. (laughs) So yeah, those, I'm not expecting you to know, okay, like here's my quote about the song and, and I've, I've got all my art already. Like there's building blocks that we're going to help you with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, send me the, send me music links please. And people, you would be surprised how many, how many artists do not send that. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a high percentage. And there's a lot of artists that are now on our roster that didn't do that. And, but we got back to them, right? (laughs) We got back to them and they got me a link and it was like, Oh, this is a great song. Let's, let's I know. And whenever that happens, I'm like, Ooh, it's a good thing. I (laughs) emailed. (laughs) I responded. Yeah. (laughs) So crazy. All right. So now it's probably a good time to, to head on over to our fresh content segment. Cool. Every week on the show, we discuss our favorite piece of music content for the week, and we always like to start with the guest. So, Adam, what do you got for us? So, I, I, I'm going to do three uh, today. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and and so the first one, and this kind of goes into how I wish things were. There was uh, a record that came out last year, Nala Sinifro, Sinf- Space 1.8. Okay. And I didn't hear it, and I I didn't I I I think I'd seen the cover around, and uh, a friend of mine said, oh, this is probably my favorite record of the year this year. And a lot of people, it's like, well, that's last year. I'm not going back to, and, <laughs> and, and but I, I checked it out and I've been having it on repeat. It's just this beautiful jazz with, with almost like certain new age qualities. It, it reminds me of that Pharaoh Sanders floating points record that came out in, in a way, even though I think this has its own thing and, and own vibe. Really super great artist. Uh, I've also been like going back down my Yellow Magic Orchestra uh, tunnel, which uh, the band, J- Japanese band from the seventies, uh, late seventies and early eighties, for the most part. I-, I love them. About five or six years ago, I just like became obsessed and was listening to them all the time. <laughs> You're like s- just really got yeah, into really them. got into them. Uh, so and and I just kind of like. I heard one of their songs and and then just started playing them. So that's that's the album in the background that I have on on my my turntable right now. And then I'm going to be like a little bit uh, self promotion, I guess, which I, you know all artists need to do occasionally. So I released um, my first music that I've released in I guess the last time was about six or seven years ago. My project is called Allegories. This our second album is coming out on April 29th. It's the first album in 14 years. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, so it's a duo that I have with Jordan Mitchell. We worked on it for about 
from 2014 and we finished it in, uh, it was before the pandemic. We actually finished it, but then getting it finished, <laughs> uh, Jeremy Greenspan, who's in, in Hamilton, he's, um, and you boys actually like f- did the final thing, but he was building a studio and we had to wait eight months for them. And then it was like, Oh, we did this. Now, how do you put it out? Just like every other artist. Yes. How am I going to do this? And it's, I, I've been, i it's been nice to put my, you know, I've, I've never completely gone out there. I've got to work with some artists out in the studio over the years. Uh, but it's nice putting out my own stuff and, and being part of the process and really seeing how difficult it is to do things. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, are you are you are you handling the publicity for it? We are handling the the publicity. <laughs> Hidden Pony is putting it out. The the, the label. Oh, amazing! So, uh, it's a little Hamilton connection. A little Hamilton <laughs> connection. So it really uh, it's been great getting to to work with them on on that. And I, I'm trying to stay even keeled about the whole thing. But I understand sometimes with artists, like expectations are expectations. You can only yes. do so much to squeeze those down into the the bottom of your belly. Yeah. It's hard. And it's just like, it's always like, now it's out. It's out now. Now what? Now what happens? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's always a conundrum in building enough social media content. Like we thought we were really, really prepared because we had, and instantly within, I would say two days, I was like, we don't have enough of anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's always. And then we've learned and adjust and, and, and tried to take on the best practices, looking at the things that I tell people all the time. So yeah, it's, it's been a a nice thing getting back where it started. Right on. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So my fresh content for the week is kind of a sad one because it involves a musician who died, but, uh, Mark Lanigan. Lanigan. Yeah. yeah, who I, I love Mark Lanigan. Same. Yeah. He died last week and I'm a Gen Xer. So obviously I'm a very huge fan of his music. Um, and I spent the weekend listening to a lot of it. And uh, I rediscovered a song that I like totally forgot about. You know how that happens yeah. <laughs> sometimes. And that's the song Wedding Dress, which is on his 2004 album, Bubblegum. It's a really incredible song. And I think it really showcases what he does best, which is like that really dark and brooding sort of gothic. <laughs> Southern Southern gothic, gothic sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Cohen or uh, Nick Cave, like like sort of that. I think that that's kind of his wheelhouse, sort of. But more, more whiskey. Soaked. Yes, definitely. Like he's lived, right? <laughs> yes. I, uh, I, I, when I went in high school, grunge was dead at this point, but I was the guy with a few of my friends that were still like trying, like just getting all immersed in, into that, that era of stuff. So, uh, it's the best. I know it's, it's, I mean, they always say like you, the music of your youth is the music that you love forever. Right. So (laughs) that's, that's kind of it. And, 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 and really like screaming trees, like not uh, a great band, but not a grunge band really. Like they were almost like a psych. No. And that's that. The thing is, is like their biggest album, sweet oblivion came out in 92, which is also the same year that Pearl jams 10 came out. I mean, like that's like, you know, and nearly lost you's on that one, right? That's, yes, that's yeah. that's like the one everybody knows. Um, yeah, so and also their best record, in my opinion. But that's because I like the grunge. So, <laughs> but no, they no, they totally they weren't. In fact, I uh, re-listened to Mark Maron's Mark Lanigan interview, which he tends to post when people die, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Lanigan said that, you know. In the early, like they were putting out records in the late eighties and getting put on like um, heavy metal compilations and stuff, which which is what they were doing to Soundgarden too. Like right. before grunge yeah. happened, it was kind of like we'll put you in with all of this. But Soundgarden at least like they have the riffs that sound like they do. 
<laughs> they they should be a, a metal band, right? Like Kim Thale is is basically writing metal riffs uh, over. Yeah. Yes, I love the Soundgarden man. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. I, we like this could be another podcast where we just relive the grunge. Days. Oh, dude, that would be my favorite podcast if we did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all- I'm game. It's uh, that's that's like the foundation, I think, uh, for me really getting into music. Really, like whether it was Nirvana, or Pearl Jam, or Soundgarden, or, or Smashing Pumpkins, like the, those were probably like when I was when you were when you were a youth. <laughs> I was very young, like. I, this is like grade seven. Oh, yeah, so you're going to make and, me and, feel old is what's going <laughs> to <laughs> Sorry. It, it went on, it, you know, went on for a bit. But th- that was like the, the thing that got me obsessed with, with music and got me playing bands and got me to hammer things out in a basement for many, many years, uh, sing out of guitar amps, and, and led me to this. Oh, see? It all... It all comes together. <laughs> I, try to, I try to make things uh, a circle whenever I can. Really good job. Well, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on. This is great. I don't do, I don't do a lot of these sort of things around the PR company, but whenever I do, I know this will be referenced to me by artists, and I won't realize. I'll forget forgotten what I've, I said, and it'll be outdated information. <laughs> I did one actually. Just in that corner with Scott Orr from Other Songs Music. And uh, people still bring that up. I guess it's on YouTube. And I almost want to say, Scott, like, can you take that down? That was like four or five years ago. And the stuff I was saying there doesn't make any sense anymore. And then I think, well, most of it does. Yeah. So it's it's okay. <laughs> people understand, man. It's all right. <laughs> but it's funny when someone seems to be quoting me before I'm, oh, I was going to say that. How did you know this? That's exactly what, how I say it. Um, so I'm, sh- I'm sure that'll right happen on. here. All right. Well, thanks so much and uh, have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Well, that was such a great conversation. I-, I really hope you liked it. And thanks again to Adam for coming on the show. Thanks so much for listening to the FM podcast. If you like the show, please tell your friends and give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It, it really helps us out. And, you know, you can also help us out if you want by posting about the podcast on social media and just, you know, letting people know about it. It, it really helps us and we'd really appreciate it. The FM podcast is produced by Fritz Media with production assistance from Carla J. If you want to learn more about Fritz Media, check out our website at fritzmedia.ca. And you can follow us on Facebook, we're at Fritz Media, and on Instagram and Twitter at Fritz underscore media. And if you'd like to learn more about the podcast, go to the fmpodcast.com. A big thank you to Said the Whale for providing the theme music for the show, and you can find them at saidthewhale.com. Okay, so we're going to go out with our song of the week this week. This is a song from Canadian guitar wizard Keanu Ienko. Here's I Still Shine.
I'll see you next Tuesday.